Hey guys, Trista here. I just wanted to pop in before we get into this episode and say, I made a mistake. I accidentally said that the date of the disappearance of Tina Marie Finley was 1989. It's actually March 7th, 1988. We had a long recording day and a long week in general, and I just messed up. I'm sorry about it. Let's get into the episode. What is up, my dudes? Welcome to Olympia Oddities. I'm Trista. And I'm Steven. And today, we're telling you about a missing persons case out of Idaho. It's been a minute since we've been to Idaho. It has. A little bit over a year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, yeah, and, I, and I, that, that, was, that was my first episode. Yeah. Hey! Yeah, because hey! we just passed your one-year anniversary of being on the pod. We did. We didn't acknowledge that on the past episodes. Yeah. No, oh, I yeah. forgot to, but... Hey! One whole year of Steven. You sick of me yet? You guys don't have to answer that. <laughs> it was rhetorical. <laughs> and for those of you that answered, take a lap. <laughs> Tina Marie Finley had a rough start to life, but things had begun to look up for her. She went missing during the evening of March 7th, 1989. She'd gone out to play some pool and then headed to a nearby town for a birthday party. A man offered her a ride home and said that he dropped her off, but she was never seen or heard from again. We'll get into the life of Tina Finley the circumstances around her disappearance, and discuss some of the suspects in the case. Let's get into it. There is a quick trigger warning at the beginning of this episode for a brief alcoholism mention and a brief mention of sexual abuse. Tina Marie Finley had a rough start to life. She had six siblings and grew up on the Coeur d'Alene Reservation. Both of her parents had an alcohol abuse issue, and the family eventually split up because of it. Finley and her siblings were all sent to live in foster homes. Marlene Justice, Finley's older sister, told the Spokesman Review in, in, in an interview that terrible things happened in Finley's foster home. She also suspects that her sister may have been sexually abused by her foster home. Which is just terribly upsetting, you know. I hate that I hear that happening in the system. Just any form of abuse just happening in the system is just... First off, you know that these kids are in a position where they don't have their parents be whatever those circumstances may be, and then you can and then you continue that. But yeah, it can be like just, from going to a bad situation to an even worse one, or even just a, a horrible one to a less bad one, which is still still not good. Yeah. At fourteen, Finley ran away from her foster home. She managed to hitchhike to Seattle, where she stayed for a time before hitchhiking down to California. A few years passed, and at 17, she made a phone call to her uncle. He bought her a bus ticket, and she came back to Idaho to live with him. Back in Idaho, it seemed like things were taking a turn for the better in Tina Finley's life. Those who knew them said that Tina's uncle was more like a father than an uncle to her, and cared for her like she was his own daughter. She learned how to cook and clean, and was holding down several jobs at the time of her disappearance. Shortly before she disappeared, she'd even been considering following in her sister's footsteps and enrolling in the North Idaho College. Real quick, is that the one that's got like the really cool like blue football field and shit, or is that Boise State? I don't know. I'm I just a... see that occasionally, and I'm just kind of like, that's kind of cool. Why don't like? Why doesn't like that? That might actually get me to watch the NFL or like college football. It's like. Do fun stuff with the field. Why it always got to be green? It's, it's a opportunity. Yeah. yeah, it's Astro. It's fake. You can do what you want with it. On the night she disappeared, Tina Finley had been playing pool at a bar in Plummer, Idaho. 
She eventually made her way to a birthday party in Tinsed at the Circle H Saloon. Investigators believe that it's likely that she met the person responsible for her disappearance at this party. It had been raining heavily that night, and a man offered a ride home to Tina, and she accepted his offer. He claims that he dropped her off near Plummer, about a quarter mile away from her home. The man was giving up, given a polygraph test, which he did pass. But we know how those go. And also, I think it's a little weird that if he was going to give her a ride home, why would he drop her off like a quarter mile away from the house? Especially Maybe if he was driving a school bus. Especially if it's like raining heavily. You think that you were going to offer a ride home to someone, you would like drive them all the way to their house and not just like most of the way and be like, well, I guess you got to walk in the rain for that last quarter of a mile. I'd offer him a newspaper or something at least like, hey, man, uh, I, I don't feel right as a school bus driver. He's not driving a school bus. <laughs> don't know if you can hear that subsonic mess coming through my window on the front street, but uh, this man's not driving a school bus. But I, st- I still like to think that that's just that's why he he did it like a, a, qu- a, a quarter of a mile away. But that's that's definitely not what happened. This man's being creepy as hell. He's not being honest at all. Another suspect was interviewed, and he also passed the polygraph c- test that was given. Both these suspects are both ex-convicts, and they both have a record of violent behavior. Bureau of Indian Affairs criminal investigator Jack Hale told the Spokesman Review in the interview that we referenced before that there's no doubt in my mind. I know who the guys are that did it, but I've got to prove it. And that's got to be such a frustrating situation to be in where it's like, I know that they're the ones who did it, but I just can't pin it on them. Like, for whatever reason, this makes me think of uh, the movie Untouchables about the real life how they brought down al capone Mm -hmm. which we should watch sometime if you've not seen that it's a wonderful movie and i suggested to anybody that's into old mob stuff but it makes me think of that because yeah the whole movie is them like ah if we can just if we can just nab them if we can just get them because they're they're always like just out of it but yeah they there's like one cop in there that's like we can get him on tax evasion he's not paying his taxes we can get him on tax and they don't listen to him until the end of the movie i mean i'm not spoiling anything for you you know how it happens in real life but that's what that makes me think of. It's just like, if we could just figure out a way. Both investigators and Finley's family are sure that her disappearance wasn't voluntary and almost certainly involved foul play. She left behind important things like her ID, didn't cash important checks, and left all of her expensive clothes behind, which is something that her family says is super unlike her to do. She usually dressed up really nice, and it would be super unusual for her to just abandon her life. I also think that the fact that she was holding down multiple jobs and thinking about enrolling into a college, making plans like that doesn't really seem like someone who was like just going to voluntarily up and leave their life would be doing. No. no. And like, yes, she did have the history of running away, but that's because she was in the foster system and mm-hmm. dealing with some really bad environments. And it seems like when she was back with her uncle, her life had really seemed to like gain some st- stability fall into line yeah fall into line and it seems she seemed like she was happy and making future plans that you know involved staying in the area Mm -hmm. so i also believe that very very likely that unfortunately foul play was a factor in this yeah shortly after tina finley's disappearance her purse id and shoes were found along the side of highway 95 highway 95 crosses through the coeur d'alene reservation investigators also searched an abandoned house and car in desmet and found more of Finley's belongings. They also found the most damning piece of evidence yet, a business letter addressed to one of the suspects in the case. 
Oh, man. In the fall of 1998, they found Finley's jacket at a home in Plummer as well. So it's weird that all of this stuff kind of turned up in random places, you know, finding it in that abandoned house. Um, But that business letter addressed to one of the suspects, that's... Why else would that be there? Yeah, it's it's also weird that that's there in the first place, but Absolutely. why else would that be there? Mm-hmm. In 1991, a team of divers searched a small pond on a local back road for Finley's body, but their search efforts didn't turn up anything. The next year, in 1992, a road worker discovered a strange grave-shaped pit in McCroskey State Park. Investigators believe that this pit was dug for Finley's body, but theorized that the people or person digging the grave had either been disturbed in the middle of digging or they decided that the location was too close to the road. Investigators now believe that Finley was abducted and murdered near Tinsed. Like, what a chilling discovery to find. Serious. I feel like... I mean, like, I'm also, like, reacting to this because that is really disturbing to come across, but I feel like I heard another story similar to that. Like, within, like, three or four weeks or so that was something like that where, yeah, somebody came across a grave that hadn't been used and then it led on to a huge investigation and they later found a body that was like further away from there i think i remember hearing something that was like very similar to this yeah i think we were because i kind of like twitched my antenna when i was like reading that where i was like oh that seems familiar to like another case i've read about but i can't think of what the case was off the top of my head no sign or trace of tina finley has been seen since that evening that she disappeared she would be 59 years old now Investigators urge anyone with information about this case to come forward, even mentioning that they could enter the witness protection program if needed to protect themselves. We hope that one day her family will get closure and that her murderer or murderers will face some consequences for their actions. Thank you for listening to another episode of Olympia Oddities. If you want to support the podcast, you can follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Olympia Oddities Podcast. If you really want to help us out, you can leave us a five-star review or recommend us to a friend. We also have a Buy Me a Coffee set up to help us raise some funds for Pacific Northwest True Crime Fest and some updates to the podcast. So if you want to donate to us, that's a great place to do that out. Also, it'll help me fund me shaving my toes because these things are ridiculous. We're going through razor blades left and right, people. It's like hobbit feet over here, man. J.R.R. Tolkien you can really always- drew me. <laughs> You can always submit ideas for topics to cover or even send in your own spooky story. You can do that by either DMing us or emailing us at olympiaoddities at gmail.com. I'm Trista, and you can find my personal Instagram at SaloonGhost. I'm Steven. You can find mine at the Steven Ramirez. And before we head out, I have one real quick question that really, that really doesn't pertain to but like 1% of this entire story. And because I know that you're a horse person, and I feel like this kind of pertains to horse people, I've been noticing a, 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 a thing like circle J, circle H bar. Is, does that have something to do with branding? Am I just now putting that together? Yes. All right. Badass. Until next time, friends.